Hello, and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm Rhea Advani, and I'll be your host for today's episode, where we will dive deep into the issue processing space alongside John McElwain. John McElwain is the CEO and co-founder of Highnote, an embedded finance company setting the standard for modern card platform management through differentiated payment experiences. John has over two decades of experience across technical and management roles at global financial companies. Prior to founding Highnote, he served as the general manager of Braintree, a global payments platform that powers some of the world's most innovative and fast-growing companies, including Uber, Airbnb, and Dropbox. During his tenure at Braintree, John was instrumental in driving the company's global growth and expansion. Before joining Braintree, John served as a CTO of Lending Club, where he laid the groundwork to establish the company's technical foundation while driving innovation across the organization. His decades of experience across players in the financial services industry provides him with a deep understanding of the stakeholders, value chains, and scope of the opportunities that exist. With that, let's dive in. John, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Ria. Very happy to be here. Before we dive into high note and the issue of processing space, can we start with a quick payments processing 101 for new listeners? What is the anatomy of a transaction? Who are the key stakeholders? And what trends have you seen in the space? Yeah, sure. So great question. Let's start with issuer processing, and I'll call it issuer processing slash embedded finance, because that word's used a lot as well. But it really involves the issuance or the creation of a card product, such as a prepaid card, a debit card, or credit card for customers, just like a bank. And then it involves the handling of all of the payments that occur and the movement of money and the settlement of funds that are required to invoke a transaction. That's really the processing piece. So there's various stakeholders ranging from a merchant or a storefront or a website in the case of e-commerce to the network, which would be, as an example, Visa or MasterCard or some of the other networks. The issuer, who is generally a bank, or in the case of Highnote, we issue on behalf of a bank, but that's the issuer. And then there's a subscriber or what we call our customers, and then the ultimate cardholder, if it's not the subscriber. So there's a lot of different stakeholders. There's a lot of different moving pieces that are required to successfully settle a transaction in the processing space. I mean, in the past, this was mostly handled by large banks. And I think now through modern platforms such as Highnote, companies can really, in a sense, leverage embedded finance and card issuing in ways that haven't been possible historically. And this allows, just as an example, this allows them to say, extend their brands by creating a branded product and to facilitate frictionless payments with settling an invoice, as an example, with a virtual card or streamline invoices or pay their employees. Like There's a lot of different use cases and really exciting emerging use cases that have just begun to emerge, I would say, in the last five or 10 years. You know, I think the trend is only accelerating. In that context, how have legacy players in the space like FIS and Pfizer responded to the shift to non-financial institutions offering financial products? Well, it's a good question. I think the legacy players that you mentioned, in the sense in the driver's seat when it comes to large-scale kind of fit-in-the-box, if you will, type capabilities like massive transaction processing or overnight large batch-oriented settlement activities. But 
I mean, what's really happening now is the innovation, sort of the need for innovation and the need for businesses to invoke or embed financial transactions into their flows with their customers is really pushing beyond what these legacy systems were designed for. And so that's given rise to platforms like Highnote, which is built for purpose. We really designed this platform to handle unique use cases or to handle multiple types of programs, if you will, on a single platform. So it's really built for innovation and nimbleness that it's much more difficult to support for some of these larger players because they just weren't built for that. And I think it's that enablement that allows companies to move faster, to be differentiated, to compete more effectively, and to not have to look like kind of every other customer of a legacy provider. You know, that's what's really driving our growth. And I'm personally just excited to be right in the midst of all this exciting innovation that's occurring within payments. Just to double click on one of the threads you mentioned, could you maybe explain to our listeners an example customer to which Highnote would be well positioned to service? What are some of those new use cases that you're able to enable that the legacy players would not be able to? Yeah, I think I'll pick on one that may not be really necessarily well understood by everyone, but it's a very interesting vertical, and that's the fleet vertical or the fuel card vertical. And so as everyone knows, as an example, when you're buying things on Amazon or online, ultimately they have to be delivered. And to be delivered, a truck driver or a van driver has to show up at the location. And so there's a large business around fleet cards and really the payment methods that are used to fill up with gasoline, these trucks. And so fleet's been a very, it's not a new business, but it's been a very interesting business in the sense that the requirement to evolve capabilities within fleet really resonate with platforms like Hino because we can support things like telemetry on the vehicle. In other words, where is this truck at the time that it is filling up with fuel? That's one example for something that requires a little bit more innovation in the space. But more than anything else, the ability for our customers to launch different kinds of products. So it's not just the fuel card. Our customers want to then offer these fleet companies the ability to, as an example, pay out their drivers on a payroll card, earn wage access card, or to manage the expenses for maintenance or non-fuel related expenses. And as you begin to sort of get into the different requirements of a business that's running a fleet, you quickly see that there are multiple opportunities to leverage embedded finance and embedded payments in ways that reduce complexity, reduce costs, and enable these businesses to move faster and be more competitive. So at Highnote, we offer all of those programs, prepaid, debit, disbursement, fuel cards, invoice management programs. And that's really allowed businesses to partner with Hineout in ways that they don't all start out with leveraging all these programs, but can move through an evolution and a growth cycle with Hineout without having to switch partners or to deal with the burden and complexity with integrating multiple providers. And that's really, I think, a trend that will continue. The value proposition seems pretty clear for new and up-and-coming businesses in terms of time to market. But theoretically, do you think that Hineout could ever power a card program at a bank or a financial institution. Players like Marketa seem to have ventured into the space with the announcement of their tokenization as a service program with the city commercial card. 
What would need to be true for this to be a possibility? You know, we've spoken to many of the larger banks in various use cases because, you know, banks are doing a lot of different initiatives and many of them at scale. Traditionally, in those types of sales engagements, oftentimes there's friction, like you're up against perhaps an internal sort of buy versus build decision or other internal issues which slow adoption. I think our platform is very well suited to handle card programs at banks and even offers sort of the ability for these banks to address, say, evolving demands of their customers in terms of things that they either have to make the buy versus build decision in terms of, are we going to address this demand ourselves or partner with a platform? And so I think you're going to see a lot more deals done with regard to modern platforms and large banks. It's not an either or. I think they can exist in ways that benefit end customers and allow banks to get into sort of areas and serve the market needs perhaps faster than they could if they needed to build this themselves. So we're seeing that we're talking to banks and we think that there's a good fit there in certain niches. So the world's changing and I think that it does represent a pretty interesting opportunity. Got it. So the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about businesses such as yours that are building financial infrastructure is the regulatory barriers to entry. Could you maybe talk about the regulatory considerations when building in the space? What is that burden of risk or licensing between you and your customers? Sure. So Highnote is what's called a program manager, which is a term that really points to the relationship that we bring to our customers, which is the banking partner. So we partner with banks to light up customer programs and allow them to issue cards. As a result, there is a regulatory consideration that comes with the bank relationship because, as you know, it's a regulated business. So part of the what's at the core in terms of value proposition for Highnote centers around the education for our customers on behalf of our customers in terms of what are the regulatory requirements, what are the compliance rules, and what needs to be done to adhere to those compliance and regulatory requirements. As a program manager, we don't sit in between in terms of being responsible ourselves for compliance. We require that our customers understand because they are ultimately the cardholder or their customers are. And so by signing the cardholder agreement, that obligates the program overall to adhere to these regulatory requirements. So in many ways, it's a three-party sort of conversation. And we play a very important role in education, in tools, in reporting, in education around not only the ongoing regulatory changes, but also the specific bank requirements for a particular program. And let's be honest, it could be daunting to customers that don't have the level of familiarity of what the banking rules require. And so we help them through that process, but ultimately they are responsible with our help in complying with all the regulatory laws and compliance laws that are facing programs. On that note, you know, I saw that Highnote recently announced the launch of its credit product at Money 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge feat. I would presume that risk is only elevated when building a credit product and is probably why other modern platforms have struggled to launch products that have gained traction in this space. What have been the biggest challenges to launching this product? Well, I think the challenges are twofold. I think the first is around loan servicing, full loan management. These are 
I think is a relatively difficult to implement technically. And as you know, by way of background, High Note, we really started out by building a general ledger at the onset. That was the kind of the first component that we built. And it's used in production for our current existing debit, prepaid, and commercial programs that we're live with. For credit, we really leaned on and leveraged our general ledger that has been extended to handle things like repayments and waterfall calculations, you know, where you have to determine the percentage of the repayment that goes to principal or interest and fees, as well as sort of being able to develop a platform that really adheres to the compliance and regulatory requirements, which is the second challenge, as you pointed out. And the regulations are very specific within consumer credit and are continually evolving. And so you have to be in front of the requirements, not only in building kind of the platform to support them, but also being flexible enough kind of from day one to adhere to changes in the regulatory landscape. This is pretty hard to do because this is a kind of a combination of understanding the regulatory requirement in the landscape and also having a platform that's flexible enough to adopt those changes in ways that satisfy the regulation. So it's sort of a non-technical challenge and one that I think many tech-first platforms leave till the end or until last, and it causes a lot of challenges in trying to retrofit. So I think without staying in front of compliance, then you know we've seen many programs fail, either to see the light or to launch in the times that everybody wants. So as an example, with Highnote, I guess from a platform perspective, we handle everything from onboarding customers, the facilitation of the origination of the loan, the investor servicing piece, loan servicing, and of course, all of the ongoing operational support functions. So it's a pretty massive set of capabilities that we bring to market. And because it's so massive, many of our competitors in the market accomplish all of these things many times by partnering with third-party point solutions or integrating with other providers. And we've always thought that that significantly delays time to market. It can prevent programs from truly reflecting customer needs because you sort of either cut corners or you force customers into a certain box because that's what your provider can handle. They're oftentimes more expensive to operate since you're sort of paying multiple parties along the way. And I think that having an all-in-one solution that was built for purpose solves many of these issues. And this is how we designed and implemented things here at High Note for credit. We're excited to be launching this now. And from a customer perspective, what was the rationale to expand beyond just debit? How are customers using the product today? And what are those use cases that are unlocked with this launch? I think credit's always been part of our plan. And we actually architected the platform knowing that we would be expanding into offering support for credit, which goes back to the general ledger and how we thought about different use cases that extend beyond prepaid and debit. And so since the beginning of our launch of into the market a couple of years ago, we've been hearing from customers that while they're happy to launch with debit and prepaid, ultimately, many of our customers felt like credit was a natural extension and was really where they wanted to be over time. So part of our journey was centered around the commercial side. So we built a commercial charge, both secure charge cards, where you pay up front, and then unsecured, where you pay in full net 30. And this was around commercials. So we're helping small businesses kind of get off the ground and get access to more affordable 
capital sort of post-COVID. And we've been in the market now with these products for some time. Revolving credit is really kind of the next evolution of that. It's a natural extension to the charge, the credit products that we have in market. And it brings into sort of play the consumer side as well. So I think that these things are all part of the roadmap, but the why we've done this has really been in response to our customer feedback and our customer roadmaps. And frankly, I just don't feel like there is a built-for-purpose competitive credit platform out there that will allow companies to move a little bit faster, but also be differentiated. And there's a lot of differentiation that comes into credit programs. There's different ways to treat rewards and different programs around branding and different economic incentives and benefits brought to customers. And so it's a very competitive market that is, I think, very few platforms that can offer solutions that allow for that differentiation. And so that's kind of how we arrived here. You know, one of the things that most people who aren't in the industry think about when you say credit is just the higher interchange. So it's amazing that you guys got to this decision just through customer feedback. But just touching on the economics for a second, can you talk a little bit about the split of that interchange buy across the various stakeholders for a credit transaction? And, you know, roughly what percentage of process volume would Pinot own on a credit transaction versus your debit offerings that are live today? Yeah. So in terms of interchange, you're correct in that obviously credit interchange is higher than debit. And the reason for that is that credit programs generally are more expensive to operate. There's higher risk given the processes required for running that program. And so as a result, interchange is higher. In terms of the interchange high, I guess, or how it's split, at least for Hino, our own revenue model is interchange-based, but we generally receive the same percentage base for credit transactions as debit. Our model is really about growing and allowing our customers to grow their programs successfully. And as they grow and are more successful, so are we. But that general split is not the lever. It's really around successful programs and allowing customers to be differentiated and to move faster. In terms of what percent process volume between credit and debit, I actually think credit will emerge as a larger market, primarily in the consumer side. Right now, most of High Notes programs are on the commercial side. So that mix, I would envision, begins to shift over time as we penetrate more and more on the consumer credit side. But again, a lot of this is based on demand coming from both existing customers and existing subscribers that are in market on a program that they're not happy with, or they want to change or grow in ways that are difficult. And so that's where we think Note really can fit this emerging need across a large swath of programs that are already in market. Just to pull on that thread, what do the switching costs look like for corporate that might have an issuing program with another modern platform? Yeah, it's a good question. I think everyone probably knows that switching out a card program, at least in payments in the payments world, is no necessarily easy task. I think if it's a virtual card only program, that obviously is quite a bit easier because you don't have plastic cards out in the field. Our view on this is that there are a couple of approaches to switching. One is to launch new programs on High Note sitting next to 
an incumbent's already programmed, and, and then the cards sort of expire off and are reissued over time with Hideout. We can make that very easy. We do make that very easy for customers that don't want to do a hard switch or cutover. But I think if you look at what the customer is getting by being on a built-for-purpose platform that's nimble, that's more competitive, that allows them to differentiate themselves faster than kind of being stuck with their current program. I think that is where the decision is around when is it time to switch. And that's where kind of the costs come into play. It's a long-term benefit versus some short-term costs. And we work with customers to minimize short-term costs, but I'd be lying if I said that there aren't any costs and it's, and it's frictionless to do, but there are ways to make it smoother with less risk and to realize the immediate benefits of sort of what Highnote can bring to customers versus planning out a long extended migration and working through those issues. So there's different ways to do it, but we work very closely with customers. We're a very collaborative company in terms of our technology, our product, our customer success, our operational teams. We're all fully engaged with customers and understanding their needs and how we can get them there in ways that realize and unlock benefit sooner rather than later with reduced risk and lower costs. I know we're coming up on our time here, but as a last question, can you tell us about your predictions for the issue of processing space? How do you see the market evolving? Will legacy issue processes still have a place in the market? How fragmented will it be? And where will high notes in this context? Sure. So look, I think legacy platforms, yes, will have a place in the market for quite some time. I don't think they're going away. But I think in addition to that, we're seeing, and I think everyone is seeing, innovation is occurring rapidly. And platforms like Highnote are, in fact, I think, helping to accelerate this innovation. New use cases are emerging. And I think many, many companies want to move faster and be differentiated. And now with platforms like ours, companies can do that. They can be competitive and they can do it in a revenue generating manner. So embedded finance using a platform that was built for purpose can unlock revenue and also allow for differentiation and competitiveness. And this is not easy to do on a legacy platform because they weren't built for that. They were built for other purposes and they will continue to serve, I think, those markets and those purposes. Longer term, there's arguably three types of platforms that will, I think, comprise the majority of the market, in my opinion. I think the innovative sort of built for purpose embedded platforms like Highnote will be one segment. The existing large legacy platforms will be a second. And I actually think the in-house or the in-house bank issuing platforms serving each of the large banks or the large banks in general, I think that's going to be a large segment. Certainly volume-wise, it will be. And I think all three of those serve essentially different markets. And I think customers may move in and out of some of these, or at least out of some of these, or run programs in parallel. And as they grow, they may have different needs. But I think those are kind of the three that I think will be around for a while. And look, it's a very large market. I remember talking about, I think, multiple trillions of addressable dollars in the the United States alone. And so there's a lot of opportunity for coexistence. And we're excited to be at the party and helping innovative companies succeed and grow. And that's what Highnote's all about. That's fantastic, John. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Ria. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review and subscribe to our show. And as always, thank you to our editor, Rafael Sevilla. Until next time, this is your host, Rhea Advani. Bonnie.